Welcome to The Rock Show. I'm Rocker Mike. This is Rob Rossi to your left. And we're into episode 193 today, which is the second part of our Led Zeppelin series, part two. Um, We're going to talk about this part is mostly, I'd say, the aftermath and and the the ensuing years since the end of Led Zeppelin. Uh, The story does not end with uh, with the sad and untimely death of John Bonham. Uh, the band is still, uh, even though they're not as Led Zeppelin, but they're still involved in the music industry today. We're also going to talk about the legacy of the band and who they've influenced and all that good stuff. So how you doing, Rob? Pretty good. Let me show the uh, cover of the last two albums we talk about. Okay. It's Presence. Presence. And then this is the last one. Into the Outdoor. Yeah. If you were watching the last show. We just didn't have we didn't have those pictures up right away, but that was the last two albums. There you go, got a bunch of stuff there. I got a lot of classic stuff. classic imagery, you know, classic rock and roll imagery. Cool. Three, lights up on one. Yep. Yeah, we'll talk about that mothership record in this in this uh, episode. Yeah, they got so many so many stuff. Look at that. Right. Coda, that would be their final release posthumously after the band broke up. Um, all right, so basically, after the band was was dissolved, um, the first serious musical project done by any of its members was the Honey Drippers, which was Robert Plant's concept. Okay, he formed it in 1981. The group consisted of of himself on vocals, Jimmy Page on lead guitar. And studio musicians who were also friends with the band Jeff Beck, Paul Schaefer, the Paul is that, Schaefer. Is that Paul Schaefer from Paul David Letterman? Yes. And wow. now and now Rogers. Okay. I think the Nile Rogers is an interesting member because he was really known for being a member of Chic. Okay. And he also produced Duran Duran and you know, he was yeah, he's the that. one that opened the the Duran Duran concert because he also helped. Um, he did some song with some other with some other band with um with Death Punk. He did a song. Yeah, yeah, he's been around for you know. Yeah, six, 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 six. He's like, yeah, he opened up. He was he was actually very good. Yeah, yeah, he's a very talented guy. Great producer too. Yeah, good but producer. he. he he, he can he can actually play a guitar because he opened up for Duran Duran. They even had him 
come out and play one of his songs. He had some pretty good women singer too. Some oh yeah, no, he's, he's 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 fantastic. That guy. I've never seen him live, but but he's, yeah. he's great. Now the idea of the Honey Drippers was a little bit different, very different than Led Zeppelin. Okay, uh, he was playing more standards, uh, more of an R and B style. If you remember, he did a cover of the of Sea of Love. Yeah. Okay. And that got to number three, actually, on Billboard charts in early 1985. Uh, they released one album that came out in 84. All right. So um, then Coda would be the final collection of Zeppelin outtakes and unused tracks that came out in November of 1982. Uh, it also included two tracks from the Royal Albert Hall in 1970. Uh, one each from the Led Zeppelin three and, and then the house of holy sessions and three tracks from the in through the outdoor sessions. It also featured a 1976 Bonham drum instrumental with electronic effects added by page called Bonzo's Montreux. Just kind of like a, you know, a wrap it up. Let's put out everything else we got. I mean, it's other things will come out over the years, but that was the but last release. Like under the Zeppelin name. Huh? That was probably more like a tribute album to all the stuff, to all the work they did, you know? Yeah, well, they they, they put out one more under the Zeppelin name. You yeah. Know? So then on July 13th, 1985, among a lot of anticipation, I remember them talking about this way ahead of time, uh, Paige Plant and John Paul Jones reunited for the Live Aid show in Philadelphia. That was at the JFK Stadium, okay? Yep. Uh, they played a short set featuring two drummers. Tony Thompson and Phil Collins, the Phil Collins. Okay. Uh, they also had bassist Paul Martinez play as well. Uh, Collins had contributed to Plant's first two solo albums, while Martinez was a member of Plant's solo band. Uh, the performance, however, was considered not great. Uh, they didn't rehearse much before with the two drummers. Page struggled with an out of tune guitar. Uh, there were some poorly functioning monitors at the stadium. Uh, Plant's voice was a little hoarse. Basically, Page and Plant called it a you know awful performance between the two of them. But you know it was cool to see Zeppelin, sort of Zeppelin, three fourths of Zeppelin, on on stage for the first time in quite a few years. Um, the three members then reunited again on May fourteenth, nineteen eighty eight for Atlantic Records' 40th anniversary concert with Jason Bonham on drums. That was John's son. The result, again, was a little disjointed. Plant and Page had argued immediately prior to taking the stage about whether to play Stairway to Heaven or not, and Jones' keyboards were absent from the live television feed. Page described the performance as one big disappointment, and Plant said that the gig was foul. <laughs> These guys were not exactly getting along too good. But they were also kind of perfectionists. They wanted to make it look good. But you know what? Sometimes you can't do it. You can't make everything perfect all the time. Like you got to struggle a little bit sometimes. Right, right. You know, and you got to rehearse a little bit too. I think that, they, yeah. <laughs> especially when you get even older, you know what I'm saying? Um, now, the first Led Zeppelin box set which featured tracks remastered under Page's supervision, was released in 1990 and bolstered the band's reputation as, a as one of the best bands of all time. Um, 
rumors were abounding again that they might reunite. The band quickly put that to rest. Yeah. Um, and the set actually included four previously unreleased tracks, including a version of Robert Johnson's Traveling Riverside Blues. Robert Johnson, that's another guy. That's a great oh, yeah. guitar player. Oh, yeah. So many of the British guys, you know, yeah. played his stuff, ripped them off, everything, you know? Yeah. Now, the song peaked at number seven, which was uh, the Traveling Riverside Blues, peaked at number seven on Billboard album Rock Charts. Led Zeppelin box set two would come out in 1993. Between the two sets altogether, all known studio recordings were on them, as well as some rare live tracks. In 94, Plagian Plant, Plant reunited, uh, reunited for a 90-minute unplugged MTV project. Remember I remember unplugged? watching that on TV. Yeah, it was called Unleaded. I watched that, too. I remember it. Um, they later would release an album called No Quarter, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant Unleaded, which featured some reworked Zeppelin songs and embarked on a world tour the following year. This is said to be the beginning of a rift between the band members, as Jones was not even told about the reunion. Okay. In fact, he found out about it just reading about it in the paper. That's right, Doc. Yeah, nobody called him to ask him to be involved or, or anything or that they were doing it, nothing. Uh, in 95, Led Zeppelin was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Uh, Joe Perry also was inducting them in. Uh, Jason and Zoe Bonham also attended, representing their late father. At the induction ceremony, the band's inner rift became apparent when John Paul Jones joked upon accepting the, the award. Thank you, my friends, for finally remembering my phone number. Easy. Okay, now that actually, I remember seeing that, and and Page and Plant like looked at each other like, "What? Like, what? what did, you know, like they were really confused." So they played one brief set with Tyler and Perry and Jason Bonham on drums, and then a second set they played with Neil Young, this time with Michael Lee playing the drums. Uh, so that was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. Atlantic released a single edit of Whole Lot of Love in the U.S. and the U.K., the only single the band released in their homeland, where it peaked at number 21. Back in the day, those singles that were all released, they were never released in England. They were, oh, wow. The, the few that were released were only released in the United States. Uh, it actually got to number 21. Okay? That's pretty good. Yeah. Now, number November of 97 saw the release of the Led Zeppelin BBC Sessions which was a two-disc set basically recorded between 69 and 71. Page and Plant released another album called Walking in, Into Clarksdale in 1998, featuring all new material, but it didn't sell good, and they were supposed to go on an Australian tour, but the, the, the whole project dissolved because there really wasn't much of an interest. Um, the year 2003 saw the release of the triple live album, How the West Was Won, and Led Zeppelin DVD, a six-hour chronological set of live footage that became the best-selling music DVD in history. Wow. Um, what's got to be mentioned is, prior to this, there really wasn't much live Zeppelin material out there other than bootlegs. Yeah, bootlegs. They never had a real like official live album in their time, which... You know, I mean, parts of the the soundtrack of soundtrack of 
song remains the same as live, and there was some outtakes here and there. But a real proper live album, they never really did. Until this triple live album, How the West Was Won, which is excellent. Um, in July of 2007, Atlantic got together with Rhino and Warner Home Video and announced three Zeppelin titles to be released that November. Uh, Mothership, which is a 24-track best of spanning the band's career. A reissue of the soundtrack of the song remains the same, including previously unreleased material and a new DVD. Zeppelin also made their catalog legally available for download when they were actually one of the last major rock bands to do that. That was in 2007. On December 10th, 2007, the band reunited for the Ahmet Erdogan tribute concert at the O2 Arena in London. Uh, Jason Bonham was on drums, okay? And according to the Guinness Book of World Records of 2009, the show set a record for the highest demand for tickets for one music concert, as 20 million requests were submitted online. Critics praised the performance, and there was widespread speculation of a full-blown reunion. Paige Jones and jo Jason Bonham were reported to be willing to tour and to be working on material for a new Zeppelin project. Plant continued his touring commitments with Alison Krauss, who he's done for, played with her for years, uh, stating in September 2008 that he would not record or tour with the band. He basically told them he was busy and they'd have to wait. Um, he said he would come around eventually, which he thought that they were fine with, but all of a sudden they weren't. And uh, Plant is on record saying that, like, you know, it was disheartening and Jimmy used it against him. Okay. Wow. Jones and Page at that point were considering replacing Robert Plant for a reunion tour of Zeppelin. Uh, candidates included Steven Tyler and Miles Kennedy of a band called Alter Bridge. Uh, however, in January of 2009, it was confirmed that the project had been abandoned. Uh, just really couldn't get that off the ground without plant in the in the fold you know a film of other of the other o2 performance was called celebration day and that premiered on october 17 2012 and was released on dvd on november 19th the film grossed two million in one night and the live album peaked at number four and nine in the uk and u.s respectively Following the film's premiere, Page revealed that he had been remastering the band's discography. The first wave of albums, starting with Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin II, Led Zeppelin III, and uh, actually those three, would come out on June 2nd, 2014. Um, then the second wave would be Led Zeppelin IV and Houses of the Holy would come out on October 27th, 2014. Physical Graffiti was released on February 23rd, 2015. Almost exactly forty years to the day of its. Hey, well, this um, uh, they, these were remastered, right, or just remastered copies? Re remastered by Jimmy Page. Okay. Good. The fourth and final wave of studio film, uh, studio album releases was Presence in through the Outdoor and Coda, and they came out July thirty first, twenty fifteen. I remember when all that stuff came out. It was over a short period of time. They released their entire catalog with, you know, the original artwork and, you know, everything remastered. It was a nice, nice package. Um, now, through this remastering project, each studio album was reissued on CD and vinyl. 
and was also available in a deluxe edition each, which contained a bonus disc of previously unheard material. Uh, Coda's uh, would actually, Coda's edition would actually come with two bonus discs. Ooh. Okay. Um, each set was a uh, 180 gram vinyl, which is very good vinyl. Okay. High definition audio and uh, a book came with each, a hardbound book came with the, with the vinyl. Okay. Had on previously released photos, memorabilia and uh, definitely, definitely like high quality reprinting of the album cover. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah, it was a nice set. Expensive too, but nice. Yeah, I think when I saw it, it might have been like two hundred bucks, two hundred fifty bucks, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, one fifty, something like that. I mean, they've been doing that with a lot of albums. Um, they did it with the Velvet Underground. They did it with the Ramones. Uh, they did it with um, Lou Reed, for instance. That came yeah. out with a bunch of albums. You know what I saw that album? I think I remember uh, HMV. Yeah, yeah. They had like the bot sets and shit like that. That was a good store. So uh, later in the year, on November 6, 2015, the Mothership compilation was reissued using the band's newly remastered audio tracks. The reissuing campaign continued the next year with the re-release of BBC Sessions on September 16, 2016. The reissue contained a bonus disc with nine unreleased BBC recordings, including the heavily bootlegged but never officially released Sunshine Woman. And to commemorate the band's 50th anniversary, Page, Plant, and Jones announced an official illustrated book celebrating 50 years since the band was formed. Also released for the celebration was a reissue of How the West Was Won on March 23rd, 2018, which included the album's first pressing on vinyl. That was for Record Store Day, okay, coming up in Record Store Day on April 21st, 2018. Zeppelin released a seven-inch single of rock and roll with a song called Friends on the back, their first single in 21 years. Wow. Yep, record store day. In October of 2020, Page released a photo collection called Jimmy Page, The Anthology, confirming a band documentary for the band's 50th anniversary. An upcoming documentary film called Becoming Led Zeppelin is in post-production, it is the first time band members have agreed to participate in a biographical documentary. That has not come out yet. Okay. We're waiting for that. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I guess COVID probably slowed it down if it yeah. started in 2020. Uh, it would be good to see these guys get on the same page and tell the story, you know? I wonder if they're going to do it like the Kiss one. The Kiss one was pretty good. Kistery? Yeah. Yeah, that was very good. Kids to mentor, yeah, kids to read. It was good. Exactly. If they did something like that, it wouldn't be bad. Right, right. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the musical style of Zep, all right, uh, what their influences were and some things about their albums that are interesting. Now, obviously, their music was rooted in the blues. Uh, definitely blues. Very bluesy. You talk, when we talk about that, we're talking about Muddy Waters, Skip yeah. James, Howlin' Wolf, okay? Uh, particularly on their first two albums, you hear that a lot. Uh, a lot of 12-bar blues-style songs. Um, also, but, you know, if you hear it on Led Zeppelin three, Celtic music, American folk music was it was an influence. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, right, right. They like uh, There was a, a folk guitarist from Scotland named Bert Jantz, 
who was very influ influential to Page because he taught him open tuning with the guitar. And that's something that uh, I know Keith Richards was into, open tuning and things like that. And it just makes a very unique sound with the playing. Um, also jazz. Okay. Uh, jazz was always an influence. Country, uh, funk, and, soul, and, and even soul reggae, music, all that stuff. Soul music. Okay. Uh, you know what was, was John Bonham's favorite music? With what? Motown. Motown. Yeah, I can see Motown. that. And we're going to be talking about Motown in February. Yep. Okay. So, um, you know, reggae would come, there'd be reggae music on Houses of the Holy. Okay. Reggae style. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the material on the first two albums were largely constructed out of extended jams of blues standards and folk songs. This method led to the mixing of musical and lyrical elements of different songs and versions, as well as improvised passages to create new material, but would lead to later accusations of plagiarism. Okay. Now, this is something I, I, wanna, I don't want to get into it too much. It's kind of like one of the main criticisms of Led Zeppelin that they kind of ripped off these old bands yes and no now what, what's your thought on it I'll, I'll give you my thought after you know what i think i don't think they ripped them off i just think they took music and they changed it to be to their style they didn't really rip them off but they probably heard something they said you know what we we can we can recreate this like this or do it like this that's what it was it wasn't you know like there was a lot of like um like, like we were talking about Robert Johnson. That's a guy that a lot of his song got pretty much stolen and recreated. Not Roll, recreated Rolling Stones covered Love in, Love in Vain. Yeah, they pretty much stolen. They say this is we made this, but but like the, I don't think Zed Zeppelin did that. They just heard they were influenced by a lot of musicians, so they used a lot of the style and method that they used to play the music. That's what I think it was. I don't think they rip anybody yeah. off. Now, I mean, if you listen to how many more times, yeah, okay, off the first album. And then you listen to Howlin' Wolves, How Many More Years? Yeah. All right. It's the same song. All right. Yeah. The same song. They, 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 this but was. But it's a concept. It's a little different. It's not baited. No, no, it's, it's not exactly the same. Yeah. I shouldn't say it's exactly the same, but it, but you can hear it. That's where they got it from. Yeah. Now, that being said, that being but said. But it's that studios that's, that's being influential. It's influence. They use this background. Dude, music, they've been doing that for years. There's many songs that sound like other songs. But people get this harmony that might sound, and then they make different lyrics, different stuff. It's not the same song. They just might have used to beat for a little bit. It's, it's, there's hundreds of music that one day you listen to, and then you listen to that, and you'll be like, oh, I know where this guy got this from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and the British bands all did that. The Yardbirds did it. Uh, oh, yeah. Stones did it. You know, they all, Paul Butterfield band, you know, a lot of these like blues guys. Uh, John Mayall, a lot of these blues guys, they oh, yeah. all it's they great. All, I him live in BB King. Well, and what was happening at the same time is the, the original blues guys that were still around were going to England and they were cleaning house, man. They were making money hand over fist. But Mike, you know. think about there wouldn't be any British music if it wasn't for uh, blues singers, stuff like that, because that's what the biggest influence. Most British singers, even the Beatles, from the Beatles mm -hmm. to the Rock, they were all influenced by these blues singers that had these old school songs. Right, exactly. Exactly. That is true. Um, and one thing I want to talk about briefly is, is, is John Paul Jones. Uh, he's kind of the unsung hero of Led Zeppelin. 
Uh, I don't know. You know, a lot of people think he's the quiet one, like like George Harrison was the quiet Beatle. Yeah. Uh, he was the quiet one, but, you know, all of them agree that they couldn't have had the band without him. Uh, he basically did all the arrangements. He, he would arrange the songs. I mean, and, and he was involved very much with the producing. Okay. They had outside producers, but they did a lot of things themselves too. And they were involved. You know, he was very involved with that. Um, you know, the, if you think about the arrangement on, on Stairway to Heaven, that's John Paul Jones that did that. Okay. Page came up with the song and, and, you know, which is kind of a, uh, interesting, you know, he, he has talked about how he wanted to start something that starts off slow and then gets heavier, you know, but, uh, the arrangement all came together with John Paul Jones and, you know, he had a lot of knowledge of producing and stuff from his time in sessions and things like that. So very talented guy. Can't go without saying now, um, let me ask you about, uh, like the influences who, who was influenced by Led Zeppelin. What do you think? What's the more obvious ones? Pop definitely um oh who was influenced by Led Zeppelin? Everybody after them, right? <laughs> I think everybody after that, man. They were all like, you know, they all want to do super group, but I think most if you look at Led Zeppelin, like every other band that came from like all those all those hair band, metal bands, all that stuff that came out, they were definitely influenced by um the freaking um Led Zeppelin. I think like even from um you may even you could say White Snake, and I think White Snake sucks. Even from Molly Crew, I think all these guys saw that that format and say, "Dude, we can make a super group, and we can go out there and play music and make some money." But nobody did it like Zeppelin. Zeppelin was like a whole different level, you know. Yeah, well, I think when you when you have to talk about what what's their legacy towards the people after, it's kind of like two two categories. You have Obviously, the musical influence that they left on people, okay, and you have the the way that they carried themselves as a band and what the the the, the trail that they blazed for touring and for how to handle tours and managers and and all yeah. that and you know big big tours. I mean, this band was constantly on tour. Okay, it's oh, yeah. any other any other band would have burned out. I don't know how they did it. No, but if you see, if you look at it, how many they took out record after record after record, and you know any bands that we've seen that do that, they do very good, but they also burn out quickly. Like well, it's like a, it's like a between a ten to twenty years span, and then they just can't do it again. You know, like a great sample was the guy from Boston. He just did three iconic albums, but he couldn't take an album every couple of years. He would take an album that weighed like three, four years, but like like the freaking um, Zeppelin. The first year they took out two albums. How many people do that? It's, it's, well, it's unheard of. Uh, the guy from Boston, uh, Tom, whatever I forgot his last name, but but uh, he 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 was a perfectionist. That's why he yeah. took so long. Uh, I don't know how much of a perfectionist Page and Plant were, but they Captain worked fast. Beefeater was another one too. Who? Captain Beefeater. Beefheart. Beefheart. That Beefheart. guy was another guy that was that his. His band hated him because he wanted to be so perfect. Right. He was such a perfectionist, but he still put out quite a quite a bit of material. Miles Davis, remember? He yeah. would make the guys like that. Oh, yeah. But I think I think I think I think I think Page and Plant because I think both of them wrote so much 
they had so much music ahead of them, the rhyme that it was easy. Like they'll be like, here's the lyrics. I already wrote this a few years ago. Let's take this out. So what do you do when you got a bunch of songs? You, you know, it's easier to release an album like that. Yeah. Now there's some kind of like unlikely influenced artists that you might not think about Zeppelin. Uh, for instance, the Ramones. Okay. Oh yeah, the Ramones definitely. Okay. Now you take now who was who? How could the Ramones be influenced by Led Zeppelin? They were kind of the antithesis. Well, not really, uh, because when you listen to a song like Communication Breakdown, yeah, which came in 1969, the riffs on that are just three chord, you know, stuff that that Johnny Ramone could have played five years later, which he did. Okay, and he actually admitted that that was an influential song to the band. So, you know, you have that. Now, obviously, if you, if you say you're influenced, if the Ramones are influenced by you, then everybody after the Ramones is, you know, whether they yes. like it or not. But look at look at uh, Kirk Cobain when he talked about Led Zeppelin. He said those guys were so huge influence on him. Like, he said he was taking talk, smoking weed, just listening to Zeppelin, and everything came to his mind. You know, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of, I'm telling you, there's hundreds of bands that these, if it wasn't for Zeppelin, half of the bands we know today would have never formed. Well, you wouldn't have had uh you wouldn't have had say the black crows no okay uh even queen had yeah. to be influenced by them to some degree okay uh aerosmith also okay um then even stuff like the scorpions you want to say white snake you could say white snake uh and and a lot of the progressive metal bands like tool and dream theater Oh they yeah, those guys of, of of Zeppelin in them too. You know what's well, funny? Tools play Madison Square Garden tomorrow, but they're only playing uh, the new albums, and that songs are long too. They're like thirteen. I, mean, I can't, I can't watch that shit. That's I'm like I can't go there. Nah, nah. who's going? Is, is is Big Mike going? Oh no, no, nah, I'm not saying. Um, some people would talk about going to tour. that's a band. I think Big Mike likes that band anyway. No, he like he likes fish. Oh, that's it. That's right. Now, and fish. Shout out to shout out to Big Mike if you're listening. Uh, but there's some unlikely, you know, people too. You had the Ramones, but also Joy Division said Zeppelin was an influence. The cult, the cult obviously is an yeah. item. Um, Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, yes. I mentioned that in the last episode with them doing a cover of Stairway. Oh, it, was a, right? it was a beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful cover. Soundgarden, right? Soundgarden is another. Fucking sound on no. they, them. They're another very good. Uh, Chris Cornell, all those guys, like all that, you know, that whole grunge thing pretty much came out of a weird kind of uh, Zeppelin kind of thing because they were adding that that moody, that dark. It was it was interesting. It was a definitely an interesting time. But then there were there were too many grunge bands. It became a big fucking well, yeah, garbage. It became, it became a joke of itself, basically. Yeah, you know. Um, and the other, like I was saying, the other part of it, the other category is really how they were an impact in the nature of the music business. Um, one quote that I have here is by John yeah. Callender. He was an A&R you know, executive. You know who was? Um, huh? One of your guys, um, Alice Cooper was a big, uh, that's oh, and Yeah, absolutely. You know, even the Beastie Boys, Metallica, you got like a I mean, guys. Yeah, and 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 just for so many reasons, you know, not just musically, the way they carried themselves and the way they they changed yeah. business for people, you know. But I was going to say, there's a guy named John Callender who worked for Geffen Records. There's a quote here. It says, "In my opinion, next to the Beatles, they're the most influential band in history. 
They influence the way music is on records, AOR radio, which means album-oriented rock radio yeah. concerts. Uh, they set the standard for the AOR radio format with Stairway to Heaven, having AOR hits without necessarily having top 40 hits. They're the ones who did the first real big arena concert shows, consistently selling out and playing stadiums without support. People can do as well as them, but nobody surpasses them. Nah, nobody. I don't think. I, and, and, and you know what I think it was? I think it was the way they, they were managed by not letting too many singles. So if you wanted the album, if you wanted the song, you had to um, buy the album. And then you would probably just bought the album for that song. And then you winded up listening to the whole album and say, damn, this is pretty good. I think that, I think that was one of the reasons they did so well. Right. Right, and they also didn't do too many TV TV stuff. So you, if you wanted to see them, you got to pay, which is not a bad. It's not bad. No, I mean it was it was Peter Grant was again. You could I said it earlier. You could you could do a whole podcast on him. Uh, he really set the the mold for this. Okay, it was his baby and his idea to promote them in this way. He got the record contract with Atlantic to stipulate that they could promote their albums and themselves the way they wished. Nobody had that. Okay. No. And they were signed without even being heard. I mean, that's just incredible. You know? Yeah. You know, what's funny. Another band I forgot to mention also, you got the red hot chili pepper with definitely influenced by. Sure. Sure. I mean, it, 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 it goes, there's so, there's so even the stone roses out of England. Oh you know, yeah. There's elements of, of Zeppelin in them. Um, now, the band in total sold over 200 million albums worldwide. Now, some say it's over 300 million. It depends on how you figure it out. Um, they sold in and there's including 111 and a half million certified records just in the United States. All right, that's, that's crazy. incredible. Now, um, according to the Recording Industry Association of America. Led Zeppelin are the third highest selling band, the fifth highest selling music act in the U.S., and one of only four acts to earn five or more diamond albums. They achieved eight consecutive number ones on the U.K. album charts, a record for most consecutive U.K. number one albums shared only with ABBA. Led Zeppelin remains one of the most bootlegged artists in the history of rock music as well. Hey, Mike, did they win any Grammys? Well, we're going to talk about their awards coming up. Okay. Now, their achievements, they've got a lot of them, a lot of awards and achievements. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1995. Yeah. The UK Music Hall of Fame in 2006. Uh, the band's awards are an American Music Award in 2005, the Polar Music Prize in 2006. And they got a Grammy Lifetime Achievement in 2005. So, yes, they did get a Grammy. Okay. But they never got a Grammy for one of the albums. Or no. Anything, right? well, well, four of their recordings have been inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame after okay. the fact. Okay. But actual winning, like, album of the year, they never got that. Okay. They never I got think that. that's kind of a shame because. There's no way. Look, in the 70s, there is no way Led Zeppelin was going to get. Yeah. Uh, the Stones never got one. Yeah, that's true too. Okay, uh, it just the industry was was totally different. The the, the award there was no way that was going to happen. Okay, um, 
Now, they've been awarded five Diamond albums, as well That's as impressive. 14 multi-platinum, four platinum, and one gold album in the United States. While in the UK, they have five multi-platinum, six platinum, one gold, and four silver albums. Rolling Stone magazine named Led Zeppelin the 14th greatest artist, they call it artist, of all time in 2004. I would have put them higher than that, but that's okay. Um, basically, I mean, it goes even like they, they, they received like personal awards as well. Like in 2005, Jimmy Page was appointed as officer of the Order of the British Empire in recognition of his charity work. And in 2009, Plant was honored as a commander of the Order of the British Empire for his services to popular music. Um, that's pretty incredible. I don't know if that makes them sirs. I don't think so, but it's close to it. If, yeah. I, I never hear them referred to as like, you know, Sir Robert Plant. No. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, the, the influence of this band... And just to go over the discography again, these are the, these are the, these are the actual albums that came out in their time. Led Zeppelin in '69, Led Zeppelin II in '69, Led Zeppelin III in '70, the Untitled or fourth album in '71, Houses of the Holy in '73, Physical Graffiti in '75, Presence in '76, and In Through the Outdoor in '79, and Coda coming out in '83, I think it was. Um, that's it. And you think about that and and all through the 70s, how important they were. And it's it's going on 50 years and, and they're still listened to. They're still played on the radio. They're, they're still getting new fans all the time. There's still an interest in these guys and they're all pushing 80 years old. And it's incredible. What a history. What a legacy of, of music and, and records and um. It's, it's, it's amazing. I told you, I saw Page and Pan in the garden. It was probably one of the best shows I ever see. And they were just playing. They went on and on without even a problem. They played for about three hours, if I remember. It was insane. Right. Yeah, it was yeah insane. I was there. They were out there rocking and doing the thing, man. And you know what? They, did, they, didn't miss a, they didn't miss a beat. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when 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 Puff Daddy did Cashmere? Or Immigrant yeah. Song. Immigrant Song he did, right? Yeah. Which one did he do? He did Cashmere. Cashmere. It was yeah. for the Godzilla. The Godzilla movie. Remember that? And yeah. Paige, Paige was in the video with him. Yeah, but Paige got shit for that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it looks stupid him being in that video, to be honest. Yeah, but you know why he did it? He was, you know what, for Paige, you know what? Paige doesn't he, care. He doesn't give a fuck. He enjoyed it. He got a nice little payday. And sure. He, and he kept going, you know. You can't hate people for getting a payday, man. Yeah, yeah. And then put that song back on place because people weren't listening to the Puff Daddy one. They were listening to the original Cashmere after that. Yep. Think about the Cashmere came back into play after they got back in the top 40 after that song. Right, right. You know, one band we forgot to talk about was The Firm. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I didn't bring that up. Uh, I forgot to bring that up. It's just a band that they, that Paige had in the, in the mid-'80s with Paul Rogers from Bad Company. Uh, it was okay. Um, I think they had two albums. Um, it was an MTV thing. They had a lot of songs on MTV. Actually, it was funny. I was driving a couple weeks ago in the car, and I always have little Stevens Underground Garage on on satellite. And uh, they played a track. Um, 
from the from the firm, like all the king's men, I think it's called, or something like oh, that. Yeah. And it just to me, it, it it sounded really dated. You know, it just sounded like two eighties. You know, I was like, yeah, I never really liked this too much. Yeah, there's some bands that you're listening to that you're like, uh, you know, that you're like, they never really evolve, you know? It's the same with films. Like, like you know, one movie that it's a great movie, but I think the music sounds so dated that it hurts the movie is Scarface. Oh, yeah, of course. Scarface, you know? yeah. You know, but also, I, if you're into that, you're going to like that stuff. No, no, I love know? gangster shit. I mean, it, it's a great film, but, you know, in the scheme of all the other films out there, it's kind of on the bottom. You, you want know? to hear something funny? And I was talking to somebody. You know the, the Giants quarterback? Yeah. His name is Tommy DeVito? DeVito, yeah. Yeah, the Italian what, Tom, what movie was Tommy, the name Tommy DeVito character was in? DeVito. Tommy DeVito was in a very popular movie. What? Good Feather. No. That's not Joe Tommy. Pesci's I knew you. I knew you was gonna. No, Tommy's not. Tommy's name was um. Joe Pe in Goodfellow. No, name it's not Devito. It's Tommy it's, it's Devito. Like D Simone or something like that. No, it was Tommy. He oh, played, I, I no, guarantee no, no. you, no, they no, named gonna... that kid no, after no, Tommy no. for Goodfellow because he's old enough to be like that. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm gonna look this up, look buddy. Tommy. Oh shit! You're right. You suck. I'm cutting you. <laughs> I don't make this shit up. How much of what? No. Oh, you, you know what? Oh wait. No, 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 no. You're right. You know what? My, but I'm right too. The real life character's name is Tommy D. Simone that he was based on. Oh yeah, I know. But they weren't going to call him. They didn't call him. They called him Devito. You're right. I'm, you're I'm right. I'm telling you, the parents probably had the name Devito. The father so Stay by son Tommy. Tommy Devito. Yeah. Devito. After, after Joe Pesci. Because remember, they, they couldn't use their real name because this was... Yep, like, you're right. So you're that's right. You got me on that one. And I'm, a good, I, I, I'm surprised I didn't I didn't realize. I'm a, such a big Goodfellas fan. I was watching that because I, I, somebody was saying, what was what was his name? And I kept thinking... Um, yeah, I knew... The shoebox. The shoebox. Oh, Tommy, go get your shine box. That's what I remember the guy's name. I forgot his name. Yeah, then, yeah Tommy DeVito. We call him Tommy yeah. DeVito. How funny yeah. is that? <laughs> that's, that's funny, yeah. What do they call him? They call him Chicken Cutlet or something? Or... Yeah, Tommy Cut Cutlet. Tommy Cutlet. He lives with How his about mother. Jay Cutler? It had Jay Cutler, but not Cutler. It's very funny. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, anyway, that's it for Zeppelin. Yeah. And uh, thank you for watching both episodes. And I uh, hope we did it justice. Um, hey, did... Mike, have you noticed that a lot of our old video are getting a lot of comments now? Yeah, I've noticed like, that like... a little bit. I'm good. I guess people are looking. Hey, you know what I've been what I've been doing something. I've been re hashtagging all our video. Yeah. To try to reach new people. Because we didn't have that much hashtag, but we first so I'm putting a lot of hashtag on the old show to get more um so who knows? Yeah, you never know. Could one old one old show could come back big time. You never know. Because a lot of people come on the Richard Hell, they just saw the and that show how that one exploded over here. It exploded out of nowhere. I don't know where that somebody got. Did you rehash that? Is that is that one that you? Oh, I hashtag all of it. I'm doing it slowly, but you know it takes it takes a little while. You got to go back. It's a pain in the ass, believe it. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I'm going back with um, the Son of Sam Chronicles and re-putting all them out. Yeah, you know, with a little commentary. Um, so next month, okay, will be February. It's Black History Month. 
Yeah. We're going to be talking about the great Smokey Robinson and mm-hmm. also Barry Gordy, who started Motown. Um, and what do we got coming up in March? Uh, I think we're going to be talking a little punk in March. Give me a second here. Uh, yeah, March, we're going to be talking about DOA, the great punk band, and Bad Religion. Okay. And then in April, we're going to be talking about the cult, and we're going to do a making of. We haven't done a making of in a while. The making yeah. of the Sex Pistols, never mind the Bollocks album. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? Send me, a, send me a thing of the schedule. Also, you know what I think? We always have the best five albums. How about we do the best punk albums? We never just put punk out. The best punk albums of all time. Best punk albums to listen before you die. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll work on something like that, you know. And I know I want to do a special St. Patty show on the ro- on the Pogues. We might get that in there, hopefully. Yeah. So we might have three uh, podcasts for March. Yeah, that would be good because we just did the same. The Shame of God show is doing good. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we got coming up, people. And uh, where can we find you, Rob? What's your handle? Um, you can find me at Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, and at Getting Lumped Up. You- Type in Getty Lumped Up and you get all my handles. And that's the way you can find me. And also, I'll go to the Getty Lumped Up um, YouTube channel where you find all these great videos and subscribe and like because that's the way we're trying that's, to build that's what you got to do, people. Yep, subscribe and like. If you're looking for me, I'm Rock Gold Mike on Facebook. And also, the Facebook has uh, the Rock Show Podcast group page with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Please subscribe to that and participate. Also, uh, Rocker Mike on Instagram, Rocker Mike 212, actually, and that's the same on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And Rocker Mike on uh, MeWe, Getter, Truth Social, all the others, just Rocker Mike. So if you just Google Rocker Mike, you'll find all my different spots out there. All kind of handles. (laughs) All kinds of handles. Yep, yep. And Mike, another excellent job on the research. This is uh, Led Zeppelin Part 2, Episode 193. We are seven episodes away for the Milestone 200 episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, thank you for the support through the year because uh, Mike goes uh, um, to a lot of hassle to uh, get these um, special notes, do the work, watch a bunch of documentaries. So he does well, a lot it's of a la- It's a labor of love. We've been doing it now. In March, oh, March will be five years, Rob. Yeah, pretty soon we'll be with a gray hair and glasses and the home attendant watching us. <laughs> no, my, my hair already fell out, so. I still got some. You got a little left. <laughs> I got a little fuzz. I'm waiting for it to get, so I can get the free haircuts. No more. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what do we say all the time, Rob? Remember, people, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. And we see you next time. Take care, people. I wanna get lumped up tonight Listen to Rob Rossi and Rock of Mine On the only podcast that I'll hear That won't make me wanna rip off my ears